Now the shotgun start in golf is full of mathematics. Um, there's a lot of a lot of setup work that we have to do in order to make a tournament work. So I'm going to demonstrate to you just exactly how we do a shotgun start here. And here we go. All right, all right, all right. Gentlemen, start your We're recording. Test, I think. You say something real quick? Yeah, test, test. All right, we're good. <laughs> what an idiot. <laughs> God, too many tabs. This is, this is too much to juggle. This is so good. This should be the show right here. You trying to figure this out. <laughs> Greetings and welcome to a Friday edition of the Shotgun Start. It is March 26th. Kyle, how are we doing? Brendan! I've been, I've been working on that all afternoon. It might, it might have been a little, uh, a little high-pitched. Uh, I haven't seen somebody this nervous about something since probably James Hahn, Bite 9 at uh, TPC Scottsdale a couple, couple months ago. You, you, you trying to record this podcast right now, it's just it's a tough scene. We got a James Hahn reference here in the first 30 seconds. I'm, I'm glad to welcome, proud and honored to welcome in Kyle Porter of CBSSports.com. He's making fun of me because ju I just took like 10 minutes to just double check that all the button buttons have been pushed. I don't even know if they have. This may never see the light of day. And if, if not, I apologize <laughs> for using your time here. I know you're busy. I mentioned CBSSports.com. You got like podcasts. You might be, you know, CBS Evening News, 60 Minutes. I don't know what you, you're doing, like a million things. You're, you're, you're you got your hand in a lot of iron, in a lot of fires. But thank you for joining us here. For sure. This is, uh, you know, we were just talking about, yeah, all the different podcasts that are going on. My friends are, are always asking me if I've, if I've uh, listened to the Shotgun Star. I try to listen as much as I can. But yeah, we've got uh, the First Cut first cut podcast over at CBS Sports. Uh, if people want to, if people need, you know, yet another golf podcast to listen okay, to. Yeah. But now you, you, you and Andy have done an awesome job and it's been fun to watch. I, I realized I've been on here before, but I don't think you and I have ever done it. I think I did it with Andy when you were out uh, with, you know, one of our 18 kids between us. <laughs> right. Right. You know, the struggle of, of having four children uh, running around the house, creating chaos. Um, uh, but no, we appreciate it. Andy. Andy's just a lazy Florida man at this point. Now he deserved a day. He had a beach day. His, his entire family, you know, he sounds like he's had kind of a lot of elbow room, the house to himself for a few months. Family swooped in. It's like a, a big family vacation kind of week going on there. It's, so. it's like the, uh, the Ryder Cup get together in, in mid August where like 39 potential U.S. guys get into a room with, <laughs> That's right. with Davis <laughs> it's Love, like the... Zach Johnson. It never he changes would... that quartet of Furyk. <laughs> Whoever else they got going, the, the kind of the the cutout cardboard cutout captain group. But uh, is uh, is Andy going to recreate the uh, the the Pat Reed uh, shovel scene from Melbourne at the beach this weekend? I could see him doing that. I could see him, you know, taking little pictures and mimicking his way across the beach with as he tries to dig a, I don't know, some sort of channel for his nieces and I don't know uh, nephews and fanfare you know fans on the beach so or, or maybe this, you know he does Suez, potato chips are green complexes for him so i'm sure yeah he does different kind of plays around in the sand like a little little boy while his wife looks on and you know sort of incredul incredulity so the the suez canal thing is just a it's just a a smorgasbord of content for the for the patrick reed for uh, this this excavator thing that's digging. I mean, it's just like the ultimate meme for anything, really. But it, uh, it's it's been especially fitting for golf so far. We got a request to talk about the Suez Canal. I don't know why. <laughs> I I mistakenly said that's what Tiger would take to get from Muirfield Village out to Ha Harding Park when it is not anywhere near. I was 
confused it with the Panama Canal, but the Suez Canal, or Suez, however you want to pronounce it, has been a subject on this podcast. This is ground we've covered. I mean, this is a geographic marvel that's been discussed on this podcast. No, it was discussed with, with incredible air. But uh, yeah, that, that, that's what we thought privacy went through to get out to Harding Park, but it's not. Have you, uh, have you guys had the discussion about how you need to have Dylan Fratelli on to tie geography? No. I mean, we've, we've highlighted. He's kicking ass down there in uh, Austin, the, the former Longhorn. But no, we haven't. We should have. We, we got a tip from Kevin Robbins, the uh, UT professor, that he is just an ace. When it yeah. Yeah. Rich Lerner was talking about it today. Geography major at UT. You know, it's a, it's a, oh, by the way, I was thinking about this. Is there a more, the, the phrase, the home game thing? What are we doing with that? I don't know. I mean, I picked Sergio and one and done just because I don't know. I did about two seconds of prep work. I just opened the list. Like, oh, Sergio, home game, big text. Uh, big text. <laughs> No, it's it's a dumb thing. But hey, Davis Love the Third is the President's Cup captain because at one point he was from North Carolina and Charlotte, and you know, the, you know, I'm sure there's gonna be 15 year old kids coming up because Davis Love the Third is from home. You know, it's like Michael Jordan or something. But that, yeah, Art, we, we ever play that. We ever play that in golf? Sergio, by the way, or on the subject of big text, honestly, might be wearing the worst outfit I've seen. It's in- unbelievable years i just got a text from a friend of the program that they look like nurse shoes um <laughs> they're all these all black sort of you remember the curries the original curries that got roasted on twitter it's like that but in black they look just really chunky and he's got these sort of camo jogger things going on maybe he's just honoring the troops you know as as, as we know he does his pr tours and kisses babies and you know shakes the soldiers hands and things like that. i don't know but it's horrendous horrendous uh ensemble i the the worst i've seen in a while the black camo is tough because it's a little it's a little leopard printy like it's not it's not like true it's just it's not good uh it looks like i mean what is what is sergio like 41 or something like maybe 42 43 like if you're if you're 22 maybe you can like kind of you know if you're 22 and from like Austria, maybe you can get away with it, but Sergio, it's not, it's not a good, it's not a good thing. You might get a cease and desist from Dr. Bob. You've earned black <laughs> camo. That is his effing corner. I don't think he wants, he's not going to be happy about that. Uh, hey, let's, we forgot on uh, Wednesday, we're going to start with the master's fact of the day. And we'll talk about the master's for a second. This is from Bama Bearcat on Twitter. Michael Wolf. It's, it's a little, it's a fact slash recommendation. He's recommending Famous Fairways by Sir Peter Allen. At the time the book was written in 1966, Allen was the only overseas member of Augusta National. Now there are several overseas uh, members, right? Some, some gents from Australia, several, uh, at least one from Ireland, probably a few from the UK. Uh, but Sir Peter Allen in 66 was the only overseas member from Augusta National. The book is really well done travelogue of 400 plus courses that Allen played while traveling around the globe in his duties as chairman of Imperial Chemical Corp. In Michael Wolf's opinion, he has a significant library too. It's the best book of course reviews in the time frame between Darwin's Courses of the British Isles and Tom Doak's Confidential Guys. Copies of Famous Fairways can be found for $10 right now from the usual outlets. Here is his review of Augusta National, Sir Peter. Unique in that while you and I can bumble around and say 84 because there are no savage carries or penal hazards, to get around in 72 even from the forward tees is a notable achievement. After all, there is no no rough, I assume, to speak of. Very few bunkers, but the folds and slopes of the fairways and greens are subtle and exacting. With the pin positions of the last day of the Masters, you have as grueling and difficult a course as I know. You might know about the pin positions of the mm. last day of the Masters. Not, not to get into your uh, past, you know, uh, <laughs> exploits and, and humble brags, but yeah, you would know about those pin positions. I don't know if you broke seventy-two or eighty-four or anything like Sir Sir Peter's review indicated, but um, that's our Masters fact of the day. A good book recommendation: ten dollars from the usual outlets. Famous fairways. Are you going to the Masters? You'll be there probably, right? I am. Yeah, okay. I am. 
Monday, leaving Monday morning of the week of. So where are you at right now with that? What are you? Well, I mean, I, yeah, I just, I was emailing my editor today and it feels like, I don't know if you feel like this. I saw somebody else said it. Oh, it might've been Shackelford in his, uh, by the way, shout out to his quad quad. I can't even say it. This is, this is on. Yeah. It's on brand for this podcast, but quadrilateral, um, it's really good. He's done a great job with it. I read it all the time. People, people yeah. should check that out. But uh, it doesn't feel like there's any juice right now, right? I, I just, it's like, oh, the, I don't know. The Masters is in two weeks. Turnaround from November, we haven't had time to sort of count it down and all that. Because it's been a fantastic Q1 on the PGA Tour, I would say. No? Yeah, I think it's that. I think it's no Tiger, probably no, no Brooksy. Uh, Rory's a mess. I, I just don't know that there's a lot of, I don't know. I remember uh, the, the Patrick Reed, uh, the eight, 2018, mm-hmm. there was like every top 20 player was playing just lights out. And it's yeah. like this, it's like this monumental masters. And of course, Reed wins it, but it doesn't feel like that at all right now. It feels like nobody's playing. I mean, speed kind of, I guess. Thing. Yeah, I think speed is but, sort of rumbling on the horizon. About that. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I just I, I don't I don't feel as I mean, I'm always excited. It, it's never been I was telling somebody the other day. It's never that place has never been normalized for me, which I think is a is a is a good gift because you know how it is out there. Everybody's just complaining and just on the beat all the time and every time i get out there it's like man this is the this is the best like i can't believe this golf is a job complaining or golf media complaining <laughs> okay. wait till kila kila is gonna be just a, just a smattering of, of we might get a tandem of, bike for that if we go and just ride <laughs> down the beach it's great to ride on the beach there but yeah i'm sure we'll see yeah now i'm good i'm always i'm always excited for augusta okay we're recording this early, 5 o'clock Eastern. The matches are still ongoing. Oh, my God. Sergio's on the screen. It's triggering. Just that the pants are, <laughs> pants are just inexcusable, unacceptable. He probably shouldn't have been allowed out on the course. That could be a violation, a tire violation. Um, all right, so we're recording this early. What are your early reactions from the match play? I got some intel, actually, yesterday that it's dangerous out there. A certain potential, maybe thick boy, just launching them over the net everywhere. I guess it was a real problem. Ortiz, Carlos Ortiz, was playing down one, and he, he almost got he almost got dinged. He had to back off. He landed next to a marshal's feet foot. I guess three or four landed in the amongst fans going down one. One almost hit Bubba on six. Uh, on the sixth green, landed on the sixth green. So I guess balls are just flying out of the yard at Austin Country Club. I, several, multiple holes at least, border this net. And all day, they were just raining down. Fans, unsuspecting matches on greens. Sounds like a real issue. They might have to, you know, either do- roll back the ball or add a higher net or find better, you know, uh, added liability insurance. I don't, I don't know, but it sounds like an issue there from the first day. That That's my first bit of intel from WGC Austin. You know, the, uh, the tally marks on Bryson's on the big, on the big boy. I can't call Bryson on here on the big boys, uh, yardage sure. book. Yeah. Well, are because we, you pointed it out once on Twitter. I think. Are we positive? Those are for wins and not for nets that he's taken down. I know we're not. I mean, I, I propose he should be cutting the nets down. Like you do in the NCAA <laughs> tournament after everyone he clears, you go out there with your scissors and, cut a little piece off but maybe the notches on his yardage book are for uh ranges that have not contained the kraken because there's ample there there's six seven eight now that that he's been clearing which may be a larger comment on on the equipment that's just run, running rampant out of control yeah we could we could get two hours on that i i don't i don't know man like i get i get a little frustrated that the match plays right before the masters because yeah i always i always want like uh, some some sort of rhythm heading into the Masters, partly so I can f- try to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I just, what do we learn from match play? Like I, I don't, I watch it and I'm like, I don't know. Like 
Cantlay's hitting the ball well. Okay. Yeah. But you've got like JT Poston winning matches and, and all, all these different things happen. And I'm like, I, I don't like, does this mean Justin Thomas is going to play terrible at the masters? Cause he can't get out of his pool. I, I don't, I don't think so. I just, I don't know what to take away from it, I guess. It feels like an event that should be buried between the players and uh, the masters. Right. And the worst, just equally as sort of useless, I think for me is, that we somehow extrapolate whatever's done here to the Ryder Cup or President's Cup, like in yeah. March or early April, like it matters in September at all, or it matters in the following September. It's just, well, you know, he's always played well in Austin. I, I, I know there's something, to, there's something to having a match play skill and talent, but like, you know, three, four days in Austin, you know, could have just been three, four days in Austin in a vacuum and he played well and you got some good breaks and you won some matches. And then all of a sudden that we, we, we start talking about how that should mean something for September, but you know, rarely do we do it when it actually comes time to um, fill out the rosters. We just seem to use it a lot this week, which I'm sure the tour loves hearing about the Ryder cup during one of their primo WGCs. Hey, it's just, it's just three or four days on the prettiest back nine in golf. I did see that tweet. <laughs> you know, there's a whole thing. People don't know. The WGC account tweeted that that Austin has the prettiest back nine. And, you know, just to add a little gusto, bravado, they added a period. Just period with a period. Just to say, like, this is, it will not, you know, other debate and other nominees will not be heard. Prettiest back nine in golf, period, which is just a ridiculous thing to say. I think that was thrown out there for the whole negative engagement. Juice the numbers. Just like the Bears tweeting QB1 with the Dalton Photoshop and, and <laughs> the jersey. Like they, they know where that's going. They know what's happening. And of course it's just it's just chum in the water. Yeah, just that chum stirring out. it up. Sharks come just ravenously swimming <laughs> up. Quote tweet it. You know, just like, oh, punish me enough, like uh, L, you know. And then I think that's what the WGC tweet was when they claimed Austin as the prettiest back nine in golf. Well, it probably worked. Yeah, it did work. And it's almost so obvious that that's all it could have been. Yeah. Like Period. It, like if it was some, it, it, yeah, that, that's that's the only uh, that's the only thing it could have been. Um, I had something on Spieth here. Yeah, what you, what's your main takeaway? Where are you at with this event? We're two days, one and a half days in. I think the big things have been Spieth going 2-0. Matthew Wolf was not good. Um, I don't know if you need to defend your fellow cowboy or what, but he, he's just kind of, he's he's not playing super well this, this year. A couple WDs, a couple big numbers, maybe an injury here or there. Uh, I didn't think he provided much resistance for Spieth. Uh, I don't know. Spieth and Rory, I think, on the first day are the two big takeaways. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, th- I think so, too. Wolf, Wolf coming in was like the worst guy in the field. If you look at just some of the strokes gain stuff, which I mean, like by far, which was crazy. Uh, Spieth is now, I think, 21 out of his last 23 rounds have been positive strokes gained approach, which is it's kind of a heater even for him who you know, from whatever, 14 to 18 was, uh, was pretty lights out with his arms. This is what I was going to say about him for all the, you mentioned the Ryder cup for all the just, you know, angst and, and everything over the last three years, he's probably not going to miss a Ryder cup team, which is crazy. Go from Paris. Straight, I mean, of course, had we not had a pandemic delay, he would not have been on it last September, but yeah, yeah. it is kind of nuts. He missed Melbourne, right? Royal Melbourne. He wasn't on that team, that president. Right, team. right. But that's it. Yeah, I know. I, he's. I mean, even that, even the fact that he's in the field this week, right? I mean, that was say a month, seven weeks ago, was like seemed kind of a launch shot, right? It didn't seem promising. I, I, I don't quote me on that, but I think he was like in the eighties in the world. I mean, he was in the Ricky territory. He was in the nineties. I think he was like ninety-three 90s. or something. I mean, the fact that he's just in this field was a bit, uh, is a bit of a sort of turnaround. Um, yeah. Let alone, but now, I mean, Ryder Cup just seems like he's, it just, it just feels back. Is that yeah, crazy? I know. Like, it's just all now, of a sudden he's back. Yeah. He, 
He is. And I, I said it, I can't remember which event it was, I don't know, Riviera or something. And it's not, I don't care about like the wins. I don't, I don't like whether he wins or not, that's not because everybody's going to do the thing. He's going to win something this summer or whatever, but oh, Jordan Spieth's back. It's like, no, he's, he's been locked in now for two straight months and you can't just, you know, explain that away of like, Oh, he made some putts or he did, you know, whatever. Like he has been, he's been awesome at least with his irons for like six straight events. And that's the part where, I mean, if you read Justin Ray or, or any of like the advanced step, Mark Brody on the masters, like that's where that's how you win the masters, right? Is, is you hit great sure. second shots on that course. And that's how he did it in 15. That's how he almost did it in 16. And so now I think you look at some of the guys that have faded a little bit heading into Augusta and it's like, is he a top three or four favorite, which sounds like it sounds insane. I mean, or it would have sounded insane in January and now we're in in, at the end of March. And it's like, I I mean, I put DJ ahead of him. I'd put probably JT ahead of him, but who, who else in that Bryson, but behind those guys consistent than those guys in the last month though. Right? No. Last, yeah. This year. Yes. Is that crazy? Yeah. To say? Even DJ. Even probably JT. He's he's gonna be. We've had all these. You always have like a main, like a primary storyline going in to Augusta. Yeah. And it's gonna be him. Like right. it, it will it will unabashedly be him over the next two weeks. Um. Maybe DJ repeating, but I, I think it. I think it's gonna be. I think that's all anybody's gonna be talking about for the next two weeks. He does kind of captivate us in that way. And that's what's made. Thank God. I mean, otherwise this year would feel a little, little sort of flat, right? I mean, Rory is off wandering in the wilderness, you know, <laughs> reading, doing something. I, I don't know. But yeah, thank God. Our, uh, our producer for the First Cut podcast uh, sent a group text the other day and said, uh, Rory got lost in the wilderness trying to find like like trying to find Spieth and bring him back. <laughs> Spieth came stumbling out the other side. Now Rory's in there. Rory's caught. What, 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 do, you, what do you have? Do you have? You always have Rory takes, but like, what? What is? What, what am I? What, what's going on? I mean, I think he fought, he's done with golf. I think he wants to move on. Golf pass. He just wants to give lessons and videos. I think he wants WD from the Masters. Isn't that? I don't know. Um, I, um, he's talking about how he played it. He might, you know, not be that great at golf anymore. Last August, or maybe his best years are behind him. I don't know. It's sad. He, that there's that Patrick Podrick Harrington quote in one of those Paul Kimmage interviews where he's like. Roy's one of those people that you can see when he has the belief, like instantly. When he has belief, you can see it, and it immediately carries over into his play. That's an intangible, and that's a subjective thing. You're just trying to pull out the ether. I trust Hat Harrington's, you know, you know, kind of ascertaining that you know more than other, you know, judging that more than others. And Rory, I think, corroborated it, but he clearly like doesn't have much belief right now. That sort of compounds itself. Even when he does, I think that maybe speaks a little bit to Tiger. Like, right, that's the Tiger difference. Even Tiger like didn't necessarily know all the time where it was going. He could still shoot like sixty eight or sixty nine. And I don't know that Rory. Rory sometimes he's super talented and he can not know necessarily what his swing thoughts are or what his swing's going to be and still post a T nine. But also then the next week, sort of explode out of the players, so to speak. Um, and and do whatever happened with Ian Poulter on Wednesday, hitting it at pools and chipping through the green on 13. Um, I mean, it, it was Poulter played good, but it was tough to watch. Right. And I think, so Mark Elliman shared this story on, on our podcast. And he was talking about how, remember when Rory and Tiger played here two years ago, he said he was following that group and Rory is just blasting it by Tiger. And one of the holes, I, I don't, I don't remember oh, which yeah. one it's on. It was on the back nine. Yeah, and uh, Rory's got him dead. Tiger's in the sand. Rory hits it like three thirty or whatever. He's got ninety three yards in, and he can hit it anywhere left, and he's fine. And he just goes 
way right from like 90 yards away and ends up, I think he lost the hole. Do you remember this? Yes, I remember it well. He was like A1, 330 down the middle and just like might have been, yeah, it was, it was, yes, I remember so it I thought that, specifically. I thought that was the most emblematic uh, way to describe Rory and all of this because it's, it, and, and the, what I said about it was it's infuriating because you, you hear him talk and you're like, well, he's not, he's not, he's really smart. So like, it's not his intelligence that's keeping him from like playing the course the way that it should be played and, and playing a smart shot there. So it must be his swing, but then you watch him swing and you're like, well, the swing's unbelievable. The get the, the, the way he hits it is unbelievable. So it can't be that. And so you're left with no options and it becomes this just in, infuriating thing to, to watch because you, you, you can't attribute it to anything. And maybe, maybe now you can with the swing now that he's, you know, bringing in Pete Cowan or whatever, but he's really smart and he's got an unbelievable swing and game. And so you're, you're left with no answers. And I'm sure he probably feels that way too. Yeah. It probably feels a little dire if he's making coaching. I don't know if he's making coaching changes. It sounds like Colin might be more of a primary thing. People read it as he was booting, Michael Bannon. I don't know that he's like ever going to officially do that. Bannon might work more in the background and the, the pandemic sort of complicated that in terms of him getting over. But uh, I don't know that Bannon's like gone. It's just that he's going to work more with Pete Cowan, who's did some, did wonders for uh, Brooksy too, as well. I think at, at moments over the last year or so, but yeah, it's well, now he's going to go out and shoot like 32 at the masters to start the match. I saw, he'll shoot, I saw you said that. Do you really shoot that? 40 on Friday, you know, going out on Friday, he's, but he'll shoot. He's always got, on one. he's always got a 41 in him at Augusta on one yeah. of the nines. Yeah. He's getting back in it today though. Right. Isn't he beaten up on um, Lanto? I think he was, he was beaten up on Lanto after yesterday's debacle. Are you good uh, with the match play? Where are you right now? Are you just no juice? You wish it was, I think getting back it's to fine. the fine. Can Hideki win theory that like this should be this last quarter should have been like the playoffs with so many primo events, Riviera, Pebble Beach, Bay Hill, you know, throw that in there and then the players and then put this match play event out from under the major championship traffic jam, put it in the fall. I don't know. Put it before the Ryder Cup, even if you want, like something that in those four weeks you have between the Courier Cup and the Ryder Cup. Well, but here's what you could do. If if you look at this as the playoffs, why not why not end it with the top thirty two? Keep the match play, yeah, and just and just have the top thirty two play the match play for the money. Yeah, you could do that. So yeah. slide it like the week behind uh, the week after the play. I mean, you could just keep it where it is. I guess you get rid uh, of the net, net championship, net club championship. You get rid of all <laughs> that stuff. The, the gross leaderboard, low gross, low net, the shadow. You could just have a thirty-two man match play bracket. That does yeah, I think, I think the match play is it. I think it's fine. I, it's I don't know. I, I heard Andy talking about it on whenever Wednesday or whatever the last podcast was, and I just don't get. I think Saturday is great, right? The sixteen and the eight, I think, is really good. Yeah. But the third the the Wednesday through Friday, it just feels like a it feels like it feels like last Wednesday through Friday, just with a kind of different format. I just not a ton changes for me. I, I don't know. Like it's supposed to be like, oh, it's this different thing and it feel and it's and it's there's so much variation and it's just like I don't know, it feels the same. I agree with you. You're sort of relying on some sort of match play controversy. Some guy that's not conceding putts, some guy that's, you know, maybe wandering over to see the adjudication of a rules question. But yeah, I agree with you. It's, it's really the round Robin just feels a little slowish and often low stakes. Um, I saw, uh, I saw earlier today, Pepsi was trending on Twitter and I was like, Oh, there's, there's match play controversy. That was my first thought. (laughs) Was that we we had gotten some sort of who's he caddying for now? Oh, I saw him recently. Is it? Um, it's not Siwoo, is it? It it might be. It might be. I think it's a Korean player. I'm or KH Lee or yeah, the, I can't remember. But that 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 that's I. 
But apparently, Pep, like the Pepsi, the brand released some sort of Easter version of their beverage. Yeah. But my my legit first thought was <laughs> match play uh, fireworks. And well, they're doing some Peeps and Pepsi. What's worse, Peeps or candy corn? Oh gosh, candy corn's terrible. Just, candy corn's an abomination. It it should be just illegal. Peeps are worse. I think peeps. They're all bad. It's all like it's just this tradition that's that being you know force fed literally force fed what to are, the next generation what, what are your kids expectations on candy like do they do they think that they should get candy every day do they like do they demand it do they hold you hostage what's I mean, the I situation think they, they think they just they think they should get a treat every night yeah and sometimes video games are their treat i don't know it's a constant you know it's a constant barrage of questions about can i have candy or video games yeah, it's like the it's like the uh, the Jim Gaffigan sketch about having a bunch of kids. Have you seen this? Where he talks about so. he talks about trying to keep your kids in their room is like a reverse hostage situation. <laughs> like, like you'll do anything to keep them in there instead of instead of the other way around. It's yeah. it's pretty great. That's fantastic. All right, that's it. I don't have any. Do you have any other match play thoughts, Austin? You know, the greatest back nine in the world. I, it seems <laughs> fine. It's been good. I'm I'm looking forward more to Saturday oh, and Sunday, like you said. I was gonna. Okay, two things. One, uh, the where's the the lost tapes on the Bryson shot on ten? I don't know. I don't know. I thought he hits you this. Know. He hits this drive on ten. He said he was trying to go. Ryan Ladner just tweeted about it. He said he's trying he to get over tree, the tree. Right? He hit a tree and it went backwards. But why, why is there no video? That's not him. I mean, he was laughing about it. We can show the video, right? Yeah. Maybe they buried it to make it a non-fungible token uh, for sale <laughs> down the line. So it's a unique one-of-one work of art. So nobody will did you see, see it except the person. Did you see Brian Wacker's article about this? I did. I did. you want to talk Should about we, that? Yeah, so, let's... Um, yeah, he go made, ahead. Let's talk about that. He made like sixty grand off it. I saw Pat Mahomes made like three point four million, and it was for charity. We don't know yet. His agent talked to Brian Wacker. They didn't say what they were going to do with the money. Did not just did not say it was charity. As a lover of charity, I was dismayed to hear that that was not the case. Um, at least yet. Uh, but Mahomes did like three point something million. Gronk also maybe not for charity. I had Eric Patterson was sending me some of these figures. Gronk was like 1.4, 1.6, somewhere there. It made 1.6 million. Bryson, the thick boy, made 60 grand. And yeah. his agent says it's because golf is a niche sport. I just think it was like a ham-fisted, and the art wasn't great, although whatever, art is in the eye of the beholder, as they say. Um, it just <laughs> seemed like a mess. The auctions were a mess. They were shutting them down early before people could really cancel their bids. Shutting them down early simply because I think there was a lack of activity, lack of demand. Then all of a sudden on the one-on-one thing, this curious, I'll just term it, curious bidding war starts up like after the deadline because I guess every time you throw a new bid, they add 10 minutes, keep it going, keep it open. And that got up around like 40 grand or something. But it, it was it was a flop. It was, it was poor rollout, little demand. Uh, I guess he's trying something new. I hope he's not embarrassed by it. But uh, it just it, it was a flop all the way around and and whatever his agent said it was because golf is a niche sport. Yeah, his agent. I mean, there's nobody that he didn't throw under the bus in that in that article. I mean, he threw the platform that they used under the bus. Yeah. He threw the sport of golf under the bus. He kind of <laughs> threw he kinda, he kind of threw Bryson under the bus when he said he said, well, he doesn't know what he's going to do with the money yet. It's like that's. That's not a great quote. Like, just protect I mean, him. What's 60 grand? Like, the room service bill for a week in Austin. <laughs> like, this is nothing to him. Right? Like, for somebody who is uh, ostensibly this, uh, you know, cartographer of his own life, like, just maps out the whole, the whole thing, his whole future, it feels like there was no plan going in. Like, he, right. like... He's just like, it, it honestly looked like he put an Instagram filter on these screenshots that you and I took off our YouTube TV and then was like, here, make these into an NFT. I, it's just a, it's a, it's a, 
kind of hastily thrown together attempt to sort of ride the wave. He's on. He's like, oh, it was like last year. It's like, oh, people are doing Switch with Fortnite. I'm doing that. And he's like, oh, Grok sold a million dollars in NFTs, non-fungible tokens. And he just threw it together really fast. And this I, is, it, it was kind of a blew up in his face. But I think he does it to fulfill this. Uh, I'm different. Uh, I, not stereo, just image that like he thinks that people have of him, right? Like he thinks he, he thinks that we think, oh, Bryson's smart. He should be into NFTs. And then he, he like, he can't get out of his own way with it. It's just, right. it's, I don't know. It's kind of not, I was trying to explain Coming NFTs to, to my wife the other day. Oh yeah. I mean, trying it, yeah. I, it was just a, it was embarrassing. I don't, I mean, I try, I've tried to do it to several people. I don't know that I, I, I don't fully grasp it. I guess it's horrible for the environment. Horrendous. The power. I don't get that. Mining. I don't understand. That doesn't compute at all to me. The mining of this. And now we're just two idiots talking about it, but <laughs> the mining of these, these crypto or whatever, the, the currency is just using the power to enough power to power the country of Ireland for a year and stuff like that. It sounds not great for the environment. So, um, all right, that, that, that was an enjoyable, enjoyable bit of uh, content. Not in the way he intended, but it kind of, it was, it was enjoyable. Um, some, of my, do we, some, of my, some of my friends brought up, they like to bring up just different golf things that they sort of see. And I was, and they brought up something about speed. I was like, listen, if, if the, if the big boy didn't exist, speed would be the content King, but Bryson Bryson's content just dwar- like it's, it's, it's insatiable. Like it yeah. dwarfs every, everything else in this little world, this stupid little world that we're in. It's never intended. It's rarely how it was intended to. Uh, uh, last for sure. Last thing on match play, I wanted to ask you real quick. Uh, the guy in the field you would least like to play against, I think I know the answer, and the guy that you would most like to play against. So, what are we talking about? A guy who I just wouldn't want to be around, whose company I wouldn't enjoy, or who's I'd be yeah, d- to go up against. But like some guys, you'd want to be on their team if you're on a Ryder Cup team, but you wouldn't want to go against them because they would just be frustrating and annoying and like the mm-hmm. stuff that. The stuff that would be encouraging if they were on your team would would piss you off if they weren't. Yeah, this is a good one. Interesting. I I mean, Reed is an obvious one, right? Just because I would suspect he was getting one over on me, you know, fluffing around in the high grass, and he would be frustrating. Um, who? Kevin Na. Kevin Na. I wouldn't want to play against Kevin Na. So I have I, I can't I have deal two. with his antics and I just can't deal with him getting, you know, irritated by the little things and the, the speed walk and the putts in. I act if he speed walked the putt in on me, I think that'd be it. In a match to get it's over. I'm throwing his bag in the I'm throwing his bag in the Lake Austin or whatever it is, and he can have the point. I if he speed walked the putt in. I can't deal with that. I thought you were gonna say the baton boy. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, that motor mouth Billy, that's from Wednesday. That would get under my mouth or get under my skin. Motor mouth. Just because he's talking nonstop. Who's yours? I got two names written down. One was Kevin Na. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it would be just, it would be bad. Yeah. The other is Patrick Cantlay. So one, he's, he's, great so you'd get your you'd get your ass kicked right uh two he's slow three you go back to the hawaii footage uh he'd probably be cursing like at you half the time uh and he would just he'd just be a nightmare because he just hits every green uh he takes forever i would not want to play patrick cantley you know who i'd love to play against and mostly for company is victor hovland Mm, he just sounds like a, good a jolly, jolly chap, enjoyable company. He might just say like, oh, I'm so nervous right now. You know, he <laughs> just comes out and says how he's nervous and can't feel his hands. I suck at chipping. Like, I think he'd just be amusing, although you could put your guard down and then he kind of all of a sudden he clubs you over the head when your guard's down. But uh, I think Hovland would just be great, fantastic company. In a he's, how great is it that he has just 
avoided the 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 jupe life and just set up shop in Stillwater, USA. It's kind of amazing. It is. I I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Um, he's he's like eating carabas or you know what's the Joe's? What's the Joe's yeah, Car- place? Carabas is like high class for. It's too high class for. What's well, ca- Cowboy Joe's? Eskimo Joe's? No, Eskimo Joe's. They've got okay. Eskimo Joe's. They've got Mexico Joe's. They've got, uh, there's an Italian one. It's, yeah, it's just a whole, it's a whole brand now. Uh, okay. I had, uh, I had your, your Scotty Scheffler DJ pairing from the PGA. I think either of those guys would be fun to play against. Yeah, absolutely. And then I think Mac Hughes would be fun. He seems like he'd be a, I don't know, maybe that's a, Hmm. Canada thing. Hmm. Maybe. But Hovland's a good one. I wish I would have thought of Hovland. Hovland, I like. All right. Let's move on. At the Corrales Punta Cana, again, we're recording early. Corrales Punta Cana Resort and Club Championship. Uh, Stefan Yeager called up, active off the 40 man roster. It's after September 1st. Called up. He, he goes two for three. Couple good opposite field singles. Made a nice play on the hot corner. Just a quality debut. He'll be back down again come come next April. But Stefan Yeager, six under sixty six leads. You look confused, Mister Fifty Eight, right? Yeah, yeah. He's our four class four A player. Classic. Too good for the KFT tour. Wins <laughs> top tens it, but can't keep his card. Can't. But he shows up. Shoots sixty six. Uh, he leads Jolie D, Andrew Young by a shot. Uh I love this event. Carl Pedersen and Brandon DeYoung. The filet pancake battle has game within the game. 78-79. Not what we were looking for from those guys. But I love this event. What I was dismayed to see that like the last three finishing holes are called the Devil's Elbow. I wasn't aware wow. of that. That's the hype. That's the promo on TV. Which, you know, it's a little better than Bear Trap. But because it's more creative, but I just, I, it just seems unnecessary. You have to call it something. You have to call it the devil's elbow. Yeah. I liked the, uh, the audit was great. That was one of your best ones. Big techs and the audit have, have just, have really gotten me recently. Uh, within a hundred world ranking spots, do you think you can give me Brendan DeYoung's world ranking? Um, we did a flashlight on him or whatever. Uh, eighteen hundred. Wow, eighteen twenty. With eighteen twenty one. What yeah. do I win? <laughs> I don't what know. I win? Oklahoma State <laughs> hat or something. Yeah, I can get you some. Uh, I'll get you a sw- some swinging peak here. Okay, fantastic. So that's your Punta Cana Championship, the Aviera Kia Classic West Coast. Still a little early here. Uh, Hu Jun Kim shot a 50, uh, sixty-seven. She's five under. Our early leader. Um, Michelle Wee, I saw was one over through seven, but obviously Michelle Wee West, I should say one over through seven, but obviously early there, I don't know. It's less about, I guess the scores, even though she says she's there to kind of win and all that, but it's just good to have her back out. It is. I think the, I think the Michelle Wee stuff is, is fascinating. Cause it's almost like the way that, that people on the LPGA or, or even people kind of adjacent to the LPGA talk about her is, is as if she's like this, uh, like as if she's Annika Sorenstam, right. Coming back and playing for the first time in a while. And, and it, and that's true. She's like 27, right. right. Or 29 or something. I'm not sure. And I'm could, sure. and could have another, I don't know, 12 great years. It's just, I think it's been, interesting to hear kind of the way that she's taught and deservedly. So she's been out there for, I don't know, 15 years or whatever. Uh, and, yeah. And had a good career, but I just thought that was kind of funny this week. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then on the European tour, the Kenya Savannah classic, we're going to the, this is like a, whatever, a Tuesday to Friday round. Justin, I Hardin like it going for the Kenya sweep, the back to back sweep. He leads a host of folks, including uh, Danny Van Tonder. Uh, and jazz, jazzy J also jazzy J. Yeah. Uh, that'll be over by the time you probably wake up. That, that's coffee golf on Friday morning at Karen country club in Nairobi. Yeah. Sam Horsfield was up there. Um, yep. Ashley Chesters. Yeah. Ashley Chesters. 
the old two first names, you know, Chester and <laughs> Ashley. Never know which way. Vic- Victor Dubuisson, the match play king, is in this tournament. I know. It's been an amazing week for the Frenchman. Between Antoine Rosner, popping the big boy, the thick boy, uh, in round one. Um, good week for the French. <laughs> good week for the French. And uh, Victor Perez, I think, won also in Austin to start the week. Yeah, he had a, uh, he had a driver off the deck on Wednesday. That was pretty, pretty spicy. News. The Honda, I guess, is moving back to leg one of the uh, leg one of the Florida swing. I don't have much to say. They keep moving it around, keep shifting it around. Um, obviously, it was terrible this year in a terrible spot, but like it's still gonna be jammed in amongst gold standards and elevated statuses and WGCs. Like there's two of them in the last month. There's two elevated statuses between LA and Bay Hill, and there's a players like. I guess it gets a little bit of lift not being the week after the players. Um, but I just, you know, it still is what it is. There's only so many weeks and that one's going to continue to take a hit. So, yeah. And the, the problem here, I think maybe obviously, I don't, I don't know, is, is the WGCs, right? Because you've got, you've got all these events that have been colonial and even something like Valspar that has a, a travel, you know, travelers that have like good histories and, and, the you know they have the local aspect and then you try to jam in these wgcs over the last 20 years and it it just it's a it's a zero-sum game like you can't you can't have it all and i i don't know i just i don't know if they're i don't know what you can do differently but it just it sucks for for places like the honda like the valve i mean remember how good the valve bar was even as recently as like six years ago Mm -hmm. and now I, I don't even know when it's being played. Right. It's somewhere in there. The first, like those three or four weeks, which is abs- after the masters, which is an absolute wasteland kind of always. Yeah. Has been, um, yeah, for sure. So I, yeah, the, it's a WGC problem. I think that's all I got for news. Let's get to uh flashback Friday precision pro. Uh, they are the official distance measuring device of the shotgun start and the fried egg shotgun 20. We'll get you $20 off your NX9 slope. Uh, that's our coupon code, shotgun20. Uh, it gets you both the slope, hence the name, and yardage. Um, it's that time of year to start like filling out your bag, at least those of us who've kind of you know, live in the world where there are four seasons. Andy might quibble with that, but it's time of year to start filling out your bag. Uh, Precision Pro should become an integral part of that bag. Uh, you know, they have Eric is our man. The um the guy, the pro in Montana, I wanna say in Polson, called Eric. I guess we talked about him last time. Reminded I reminded me of this switching his shop over or something. What's the name of the guy? I said it's Eric. He was out like picking balls or doing something. He heard it, went back in, called Eric, got him on the horn, and Eric set him all up, facilitated uh that shop out in Montana Montana, switched him over to Precision Pro. So we have a man on the inside. There, customer service. Part of that is also free battery replacement for life. Um, I've not been, I've not had much of a range for much been much of a rangefinder guy in my life, but now I am fully set with my NX9. Uh, been using it most of the kids, just screwing around, shooting things up the street, shooting tree yep. limbs, birds. How far away are you? They love it. Um, but shotgun 20 gets you $20 off. It's the perfect kind of blend of value and quality in a, in a, in a market I didn't know much about. It's like crazy how some, how expensive some of these things get. But uh, they are sort of shotgunners first, and they've come in to support us throughout the year with these uh, flashback Fridays. Shotgun 20, again, $20 off. Um, you said you had like a little bit of a flashlight or a pen light on somebody you wanted to throw out. Is that accurate? I do. No? Yeah, I do. Do you, do you want me to go first? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Before I start wandering about. So everybody remembers the... The nine and eight. That's the famous one, right? Yeah. Yeah. The the Stephen Ames tiger, but the lesser known, but almost equally as destructive one was, uh, came in 2008 tiger beat, uh, Stu sink in the finals of the match play eight and seven. Oh God. Now we got to go back to, so they played 36. So we're going to, we're actually, I'm going to go back to the 2007 match play. This might be a this might be a full spotlight. It might not just be a pin light. 
Okay. So All right. 2007 match play, Tiger came in. He had won uh, seven in a row, okay. I think. Okay. Eight Look in a row. This. Guest spot doing actual research and work, prep work. Okay. Yeah. This so 2007, he, he loses uh, in the third round of the match play. He was going for his eighth in a row. So there was like the oh, Byron right. Nelson talk of, of yep. trying to win 11 in a row. Yep. He loses to Nick O'Hearn. Oh, in the yeah. round of 16. Do you remember this? Yep. Yep. He missed a four-footer on, I think it was the, the second to last or third to, uh, I think it was on the last hole, and then they went extras. He missed a four-footer and blamed it afterwards on a spike mark. Yes. So Nick O'Hearn had this great quote afterwards. He said, my caddy gave me another ball and said, okay, next hole. I said, mate, he doesn't miss these. And then he missed it. So on the, on the, uh, it was the, this was the longest match that Tiger had played in the tournament. And afterwards he said, it's not the streak. It's the fact that I'm disappointed. I didn't pay attention to detail. Something so simple, something so simple like that just escaped me. So it's like this whole thing. It's like spike spike mark gate. Yeah. It was unbelievable. So that was 2007. So fast forward 2008, number one seeds in this match player are uh, the cat, Phil Mickelson, Steve Stricker. This is back when they did like the Gary Player bracket and the uh-huh. the Gene Sarah, you know, that yep. whole deal. Bobby Jones bracket, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ernie Els was the number one seed. The number two seeds, I figured you guys would appreciate this. Adam Scott, Justin Rose, Jim Furyk, and the BFB. Two the seeds. Boy, the boy <laughs> from Bratislava. Probably the boy from Durban then at that point. <laughs> Or the boy from Johannesburg, wherever it was. It was a two seed. That's it's incredible. Danny Chops was in this one. Uh, Danny Chops. Monty was a 15 seed. Monty was like the ORU of the 2008 uh, Bob. <laughs> match play. Absolutely. So uh, Tiger ends up winning. So he beats J.B. Holmes in the first round. Uh, he beats uh, Aaron Oberholzer in the second. Then he beats Aaron Badway, KJ Choi, Henrik Stinson, and then he just hammers Stuart Sink eight and seven in the finale. And this was a run. Uh, this was his fifth straight win. But listen to this streak. So if you go back to the end of 2007, he wins Bridgestone. He wins PGA, second at Deutsche Bank. He wins BMW. He wins the uh, net championship, which at the time was not a net championship. Yeah. Uh, he starts 2008, he wins the Buick, uh, he wins this match play, and then he wins the Arnold Palmer. So this was in the middle of a run of five in a row, and what is that, seven out of eight? And that came after the run in 07, where he had, yeah. he had won seven in a row. I mean, this was a, this was a joke. This was a, not that long ago. No. no. He said afterwards, I think this is certainly the best stretch of golf I've ever played. Uh, Stuart Sink said he's the best that's ever lived in golf and just being able to get a front row seat and watch him, uh, is fun. Fantastic. Uh, this was by Lawrence Donegan, uh, over, I think it was the guardian. Uh-huh. Uh, that was the quote from Stuart Sink. He said the amiable 34 year old American said that before yesterday's contest, sounding more like a sixties teenager ushered into the presence of Paul McCartney than a professional golfer intent on winning the most significant, victory of his well-ruminated career. I thought that was a great line. At that point. At that point. That's right. Uh, And then the last quote was from Stuart Sink. He said, well, I spent this whole week demoralizing my opponents because I was playing really well and they just didn't have a chance. And today I was the one who felt demoralized because I didn't have a chance. So I guess maybe I deserved it. So, uh, I mean, the Tiger Greatness is obvious. There was a lot of talk around this time of like, it was this better than the 2000 run and pretty much everybody like Stuart Sink said, yeah, it was, it was better. Like he's just making fewer mistakes, which, which is terrifying. And Tiger said it was better. Um, So yeah, eight and seven Stuart Sink, 2008. The last thing from this tournament, I don't remember this. You might Uh, Nick Faldo. Gotten, do you remember this? He got into trouble. He had to apologize because on air, he had popped Nike for their golf balls. Oh, uh, 
We might he have had, done this had, when we did the Faldo flashlight or spot, so whatever the he had, he had popped Nike on air. Yeah. And he had just the week before signed a contract with TaylorMade. Yeah. We talked about this in the spotlight, I think. So yeah. it was this whole thing. And uh, yeah, that was my, uh, my little, my little spotlight on 2008. That's fantastic. I, I don't even know if I should do mine. That's a good flashback Friday. <laughs> I, I'll, do, I'll do a truncated version of mine. So you're talking about 2000, whether that was the best stretch or 2007, 8. We'll go to the 2001 WGC match play. Tiger, you know, I think this was right going into the Tiger Slam, right? He won the last three of 2000. He, you know, completes it in April. But this is January WGC Accenture WGC match play, which weren't they, or was it Arthur Anderson that got into the uh, Enron trouble? I guess that's what it was. They were yeah. Accenture match play 2001. Um, so he's, we're in the middle of the Tiger Slam, but he does not play. Doesn't even play. Doesn't show up. And it wasn't just Tiger. So this was the one year they decided to go to Melbourne. And they're playing January 9th in Melbourne. WGC match play. They play at Metropolitan. Fantastic course. Fantastic changeup. Just let's do it. This is great. It's a world golf championship. Why do we have to be in you know the desert of in the United States every year and all these things? But they go to Melbourne. Nobody goes. Nobody goes. Um, Steve Stricker wins it. He was, I think, 90th in the world. Greg Kraft, who was 104th in the world, got in. He was outside the top 100 in the world. He got in the 64-man bracket. So here's who didn't show up. Tiger Woods, who was number one. David Duvall, third. Phil Mickelson, fourth. Lee Westwood, fifth. Monty, sixth. Davis Love, the third, seventh. Jesper, 11th. So like half the top 10 doesn't even show up. Darren Clark, Nick Price, Furick, Sergio, Bjorn, Weir, Lauren Roberts, who was 22nd in the world. Carlos Franco and his Urba Mate tea caddy, 25th in the world. He didn't show up. Miguel Angel Jimenez, Azinger, Mediate, Nota Begay, 33rd in the world, didn't go. Jose Maria, Jeff Maggart, Freddie Couples, Eduardo Romero, Norman, 42nd in the world, didn't go back to Melbourne to play in the WGC. Scott Hoke, Angel Cabrera, 47. Mark Kalkavecchia, Shingo, Katayama, 53rd. Uh, Jumbo, Ozaki, Andrew McGee, Mark O'Meara, Lee Jansen. Ian Woosnam could have played at 83rd in the world, but he took a pass. Rory Sabatini, Frank Licklider, Stephen Ames, J.P. Hayes, Yarmo Sandlin, Bill Glasson, a recent flashback subject, mm. 97th in the world, did not play. And Steve Elkington, 101st in the world, did not play. So you had like 30-some guys that could have played, just didn't play. We went all the way down to Greg Kraft at 104th in the world to get in the field. So Stricker, who'd like fallen off a cliff, right? You know, he was 90th in the world. This is Alan Shipnuck. He didn't belong. Remember that because now that Steve Stricker is again a factor in the golf world, it'll be easy to forget he sneaked into last week's Accenture match play in Melbourne with an ordinary world ranking of 90th. Designed as a glitzy showcase for the golf's 64 best players, the third edition of the $5 million match play was held too early in the year and too far from home to attract many of the sated superstars. Their absence opened up the field to a Stricker and a number of other down-on-their-luck dreamers. To help fill out the draw, it was necessary to include the 103rd-ranked player, unknown Aussie Nick O'Hearn. So this was before he knocked off Tiger. Six days before the tournament was awakened at midnight by a call from tour headquarters in Florida. He was so groggy the next morning he had no recollection of having received the invitation. He couldn't understand why his wife was so excited when he woke up the next morning. Got in it in Melbourne, Nick O'Hearn. Three days before Christmas, Stricker was preparing to start his his season in Tucson at like a second-tier event, I guess the Conquistadors Classic, prior to Colgard coming on. Uh, But everybody started dropping off. 36 guys, I think, dropped out, and and he snuck in. So Stricker was awesome. He he smoked Justin Leonard. He went 9-under through 13. Went six and five on Justin Leonard. Uh, he beats the legendary Pierre Folke, Folk, uh, in the finals, which it used to be a 36 hole final. So they had to play yeah. 72 holes on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, Folk 
was uh, like assured a European team on the European uh, European Ryder Cup spot by getting to the finals. Um, Ernie Els, this is Alan Shipnuck again. Ernie Els, the only real marquee player in the field, caused some consternation by blowing into town the night before the tournament. Els hadn't wanted to miss his usual New Year's bash in South Africa. And he described his pre-tournament preparation as barbecuing crayfish and drinking a couple of beers. A couple might be sort of a, a short change in it. So, But he immediately smokes Greg Kraft, blowing into town the night before. He was the number one overall seed. Still beats uh, Greg Kraft. Uh, Nick O'Hearn knocked off Hal Sutton, who was a one seed. Hal, Hal Amoni was a one seed, but he was having horrible back trouble. Couldn't even like bend over to get his tee out of the ground. Uh, Toru Taniguchi and uh, Shigeki Mariyama were like this fearless, like Japanese twosome, as Shipnuck described them. They both got pretty far. Uh, Mariyama knocked off Bob May, and Taniguchi knocked off Vijay Singh. Um, but then Stricker in the final, he never trailed. So he won a two and one. Uh, apparently, you know, he. You know, they asked him, like, does it really count? And he's like, they all had the opportunity to commit and come over, and they didn't. That's all I care about is a big win. It's my biggest win, and it gets me going in the right direction. You can say whatever they want. I deserved it. Um, against Nick O'Hearn, he, well, I'm sorry. Uh, with Falk, with Folky, uh, Pierre Falk, I, I keep confusing him with Tobias Funke. When I see it. <laughs> Pierre Folke. But it's Folk. I believe uh, he'd been like tearing it up with an ERC driver. Uh, he'd been tearing it up on the Euro tour, but you know, he gets through and they talk about him being sort of just this magnanimous sort of happy go lucky guy. Uh, but he beats L's and kind of motivates Stricker when he beats L's to get out of the, that side of the bracket. He goes after eliminating number one seed, Ernie L's, Folk talked about how victory would enable him to play on the PGA Tour. The sooner, the better. Quote, I looked at today's match, like the key match, beating Ernie. And that lit a, lit a bit of fire under Stricker, who then came out, never trailed him the next day, uh, beat, beat him two and one. Folk hit into eight greenside buckers, which are, you know, diabolical and metropolitan. And uh, Stricker faced 18 putts with the hole on the line and made 14 of them. That would just drive you nuts. You made 14 of 18 putts to win holes. Um, it was a comeback player. Nice comeback win for a player, for Stricker, who only five years ago was considered a rising star after two wins in 96. With success came riches, and with riches came trouble. What does that mean? Was Stricker become a wild man with a new big bank account? No. He just signed uh, a new equipment deal. He got rid of his peerless irons and signed with TaylorMade. <clears throat> then he switched to ping and then he has no club deal by this time, 2001 and in his Brooksy. bag, in his bag were clubs made by Callaway, Cobra, ping, Titleist, and Odyssey and his driver, the Callaway big Bertha uh, and the putter his Odyssey putter were the same ones he used in 1996. They were dinosaurs by then in 2001. Um, they just talked about his his kind of fall from grace, and, and he goes, it hurts, but I deserve to disappear. And then he came back with his 1996 uh, equipment after kind of signing some some equipment deals in the intervening years. Anyways, that's my truncated flashback. I thought it was notable because we always clamor for these WGCs to go to other countries. They did it in 2001, yeah. and absolutely nobody went. kind of sucks. It would be great to see yeah. this at Metropolitan. For sure. Uh, I was thinking about this. I don't know that anybody's had a career that is more counter to the way that they actually play golf than Steve Stricker. So what I mean by that is we, we watch Stricker on the golf course and he's so steady, right? He just right. fairways and greens and he's just right. And his career was all over the place. I mean, it was up right. and down and he, you know, he, he buries the comeback player of the year award because he won it two years in a row. Like he ends that, like he, like, Spieth's career has exactly mirrored the way that he plays on the golf course. And Stricker has, has kind of been the exact opposite, right? Right. Right. No, it's a good point. That's a good point. That's a good take. I like that. Sad day for uh, Arrested Development, by the way. I saw that. Lucille. Yeah. Passed away. R.I.P. 
That stinks. We we start with uh, a James Hahn reference and we end with a Tobias Funke. Pierre Funke. He was on that team that kicked our ass, I think, in 02. I believe he was on that. I'm, I might, I, I say this, I say this every two years. I might root for, root for Europe this year. Why this year? What's wrong? Just, Why is this the one that's... They're just likable. They are. I they every are. every time we go, you you we've we've done this together. Every time we go, it's like they do these team press conferences, and people are sprinting for the European presser. Sure. And the and the American one, it's like I, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. yeah. So be like a little uptight, like, more uptight. Yeah, turncoat Tron and and uh, throw on the. You're going to root for Europe. Yeah, maybe maybe so. I don't know. All right. All right. That's it. That does it for the week. Kyle, thank you so much for joining us, filling us in, filling in for Andy here. Um, you have anything you want to plug or talk about? I'm sure you'll have some fantastic, riveting master's uh, writing preview and then obviously on-site writing week of, I would say. I would pump that. You have your first cut podcast. Anything else you want to talk about? Discuss. No, I think that's it. You, we, we talked about keeping this under 30 and we've gone, what, 70 or 65 or something? The NFT discussion went a little too long. I knew that was <laughs> trouble. But, uh, no, right. it's, listen, hey, this is always fun. We don't get to talk enough. We don't get to hang out enough. Um, so this is a good excuse to, to get to do both of those things. So I appreciate you having me. Uh, Twitter, yeah, CBS whatever, wherever you guys want to follow. So appreciate it. Kyle Porter, CBS. All right, everyone enjoy your weekend. Thanks to Precision Pro for the flashback. Thanks to Kyle Porter for filling in. We'll talk to you on Monday. (laughs) 